Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Your Cyber Path. I'm Kip Boyle, and I'm here with Jason Dion. And uh, today, we're going to talk about password managers, but what uh, what occurs to me right away in, on the subject of password managers is, as, as we record this in February of 2023, about six months ago, LastPass was hacked, and that happened in August of 2022. And I know we at Cyber Risk Opportunities were using uh, LastPass for a while. We got off that, actually, and migrated to a different password manager. But what about you, Jason? What happened to your team? Yeah, did you uh, migrate before the hack or after the hack? I'm curious. Before. Okay, cool. So we actually did as well. Um, I hired a new CTO back in February of 2022 at my company, and his name is David. And when he came in, he's like, you know, I really don't trust LastPass. Um, he's heard some things about it that he didn't like uh, from his previous companies that he worked at. And he was like, I want to get us off of that. So we actually left LastPass. Uh, I think you guys went to OnePass. Is that right? We went to OnePassword. Okay, yeah, you went to OnePassword. Uh, for us, we went to Bitwarden. And the reason we went to Bitwarden is Bitwarden has you know, a software as a service version, just like LastPass and 1Password and all of those. But it also has a self-hosted version. Uh, so you can own and operate your own. And that way, you know, your data is only on your server. Ah, um, that gives you an additional level of protection. Um, now, that being said, do you need to go that far? Probably not. My CTO just sometimes is a little paranoid, which is good. <laughs> you know, uh, but he, was, uh, he acts more like a, a, a chief security officer or chief good. security the officer than a chief technology officer most of the time because he comes from a really strong cybersecurity background, which is one of the reasons we brought him in. Um, but he's also a really good developer. So yeah, so when he, when he said, hey, I've looked at them all. This is the one I want us to go to. I was like, hey, you're the CTO. Let's do it. Yeah. And it's over. Um, and I will tell you, it's a pain to move from one password manager to another. Uh, I don't know Can how you guys, but for me, I had to basically go in. When, I, when we moved over, instead of just importing my entire last pass, I went one by one through my passwords to verify, do I still need this? Do I not still need this? Can I get this? Well, my team needs access to it because one of the big things I use LastPass for, or Bitwarden in this case now, is to be able to share my passwords with my team because a lot of the services that we use only have one login. They don't let you have individual user accounts, which is horrible for security, as we all know. Yeah. But it's the way a lot of these software as a service companies are. They don't have a team version. So you basically have to sign up with one account and then give everybody the username and password. Yeah. It was, we have a big, long, randomly generated, you know, 25 character numbers, letters, password, uh, and it's tied to Jason's email and everybody can go in and fill it. And with Bitwarden, they can fill it without even seeing the password. So they don't know what the password is, but I can share my password. Yeah, I like that, that aspect of uh, LastPass as well. And we had the same experience where LastPass had been, uh, it had been reported in the public news media that they had been injecting uh, trackers into the Android version of their uh, mobile app and and my and my feeling was that that was silly because this is a security tool not a social media app and yeah. to add trackers all it's doing is increasing the attack surface and weakening the tool and so at that point uh you know i talked with my team and we said we're not putting up with this we're, we're getting out of here and our migration was actually pretty easy because we just bulk exported the you know are the records from LastPass and bulk imported them into one password. I didn't have the time to to sit there and go through them like you did. I actually think that's great password hygiene on your part. So 
Uh, and that's so, like in base guys. Like I just took one day, and it literally took me about eight hours because I had about four or five hundred passwords I had to go through. Um, but out of those four or five hundred, there's only about two hundred I still needed because a lot of it was stuff we used five years ago. The company, there are things we don't use anymore. Cause right. Purposes. Yeah. No, that's great. Okay. Well, today, uh, having having talked about that, we're going to come back to LastPass, and we're going to talk about if you're still using LastPass because I've got customers that are still using it. And they said to me, they're like, we just managed to convince the rest of the organization to use a password manager. It's completely deployed. We can't risk our reputation and go back out there and say, oops, we shouldn't use that one. Let's migrate to another one. So we need to figure out how to stick with LastPass if we can. And so if you're in that situation for whatever reason, uh, let, we're going to circle back around to this episode. and We're going to talk about what you can do to stick it out with LastPass until you can figure out a, a time and a place where you can where you can migrate. But in the meantime, uh, let's back up for a moment and let's just first uh, make sure everybody knows what is a password manager and why should you use one? What, what does it look like to you, Jason? How do you how do you yeah. explain to somebody like, like what it is and why they would want one? Yeah. So, you know, the whole reason that we use password managers uh, in cybersecurity, and if, if you ever read Kip's book, Fire Doesn't Innovate, he talked about this in there as well. So oh, thanks. You asked me because I know you wrote about it. Uh, well, yeah. Um, you know, and in there, I thought you had a great example because you were talking to, if you're talking to a CEO or a CFO, how do you make the case for using a password manager? Well, a password manager is a security tool, right? We yeah. all log into our different sites, whether it's locally on our computer or anywhere else on the internet. We always have a username and a password at a minimum. And some also have two-factor authentication with either an authenticator app or, or a text message code or something like that. But, a but the problem is every site should have a different password, right? Yes. You use your password on every site. So my password for Facebook and Google and Yahoo are all the same. And Yahoo gets hacked. Guess what? Now you can get into my, my bank, my Google, my Facebook and all the other stuff, right? Because all that stuff is using the same password. So we always tell you in security, use a separate password for each thing. Well, the problem with that is, as we said earlier, I had 500 passwords. I can't remember 500 passwords. So right. the old boys, what we used to tell people was, for password managers were a thing, we'd say, hey, if your password is password, then create like a two or three digit code at the beginning or the end of your password. So for instance, if I was going to Google, it might be G-O password. If I was going to Yahoo, it'd be Y-A password. And that way you always have at least a little difference in those passwords so that people can't do a little password. But again, that's right. not as secure as having a long, strong password for every site. But if I have a password like XY125843 GQF, I'm not going to remember that for each site. So with a password manager, you can create a unique password for each site and it keeps it in basically a vault. So if you think about like a drawer in your, in your filing cabinet, you just have a piece of paper for every site and each paper has your password written on it. Now this is actually a digital password. Um, and so you then collect that and all in one big thing, which we call a vault, password vault, and you lock that and encrypt it using one master password. So now instead of having to remember 500 passwords, I can remember one long, strong password which in my case is something like 18 characters with numbers, letters, and special characters. Um, and that works great. And so when I want to log into a website like Facebook or, you know, yourfirepath.com or whatever, I go to the login screen, I click on the, the username, and it will bring up a little prompt saying, you know, you want to fill this in with Bitwarden, LastPass, OnePass, whatever it is. Yeah. And you say fill, and it would put in your username and password for you without even knowing what that password is. Like, I don't have to see it each time. And then you hit log in and you're logged in. So it's a really great tool from a convenience perspective. But it's also a really great tool from a security perspective. And the cost on these things is really, really low. Yeah. There's a lot of great free ones out there as well. Yeah. Um, okay, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know what I've been diatribing, but... Uh, no, that's great. I really yeah. love the way... I love the way you laid that out. And actually, you created this great segue for something that I wanted to point out, which is when I am working with 
our consulting clients, and I'm talking about password managers, I, 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 I uh, characterize it just as you did. But then I really drive home that last little thing that you said, which is a password manager gives you security, but it also gives you convenience. This is one of those rare things that actually increases your productivity and increases your security at the same time. There are very few things in the security world that will do that. And this is really important because, uh, because there's, there isn't many things that do that. Uh, this is a really great thing for you to pursue with your senior decision makers so they can see that, that, that it is possible to create business value from the money that you spend on cybersecurity. Now, there's other ways to create business value, but this is a great one because people understand increased productivity. That's a very clear case of business value. Uh, if you read my book, I talk about three other types of business value. I talk about uh, legal uh, risk management. I talk about technical risk management. I talk about increased reliability. And then lastly, I talk about financial returns. And in this case, in the form of increased productivity. So uh, a password manager is just one of these little golden children. And why should you use one? Well, I think you did a great job of covering that. But I want to uh, unpack that a little bit more, too. Because it used to be the case 10 years ago, I remember this distinctly. In 2012, I read an article in Wired magazine about a guy named Matt Honan, I think was his name. And he was completely hacked. And uh, they took over his uh, Apple ID. They stole his email accounts. They reset all his passwords. And he wrote about this in this really long article. And that's when I finally realized, holy crap, the threat is like really gotten intense on stealing your digital identity. I'd better up my game and start using a password manager. And that's when I started doing it. And I don't even have to do password generation anymore because the password manager will make you know, a unique password for every website, part of the productivity benefit. Um, so that's why you should really use one is because the threat is so real. If you go to Have I Been Pwned, what do they have over there, Jason? Like several billion user ID and password combinations? Yeah, easily. Uh, you know, as we're talking, I'm just going to look it up because I'm... Uh... I, I, I'm curious now. Uh, uh -huh. So if I go to haveibeenpwned.com, you can see that it says they have uh, 12.5 billion pawned accounts at this point. Right. Yeah. So these are authentication databases that have been stolen from various websites and released on the dark web. And so it's a good bet that, that at least one user ID and password that you've used in the past is in that database. And guess what? That just becomes this massive, uh, you know, identity theft gun that criminals can point at a bank or a credit union or wherever and try to impersonate you. So uh, the stakes have been raised and that's why you should use a password manager. Now, how do you choose a password manager? And I'm going to get on my soapbox on this one, man, because people do it wrong all the time. They choose their password manager like they choose a word processor or like they choose uh, a game or uh, whether they want to use Teams or whether they want to use uh, Slack and or Zoom. And the issue here is, is that they tend to choose uh, software based on things like, is it open source versus closed source? Does it cost a lot versus, versus does it not cost a lot? What features does it have? Is it easy to use? All that stuff matters when you're choosing uh, you know, a piece of software to get something done. But none of that matters as much when you're choosing a piece of software you're going to use for security. Now, a password manager, a VPN, those are two great examples where you don't want to use any of that stuff as your primary uh, 
criteria for choosing one, what you have to put number one, and this is difficult, I'll admit it, is, is the, uh, is the tool attack resistant? That's your number one concern. Everything else comes second in my book. What do you think? Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And the other thing that I see people do is they will choose just what's installed on their computer already. And what I mean by that is you're on Windows, you have Edge, or maybe you've installed Chrome. And if you're on Mac, you've got Safari, or maybe you've installed Chrome because it is the number one browser in the world. And all of those browsers do have their own built-in password managers. And it's not what we're talking about here when we talk about a password manager. Thank you. Uh, And I will tell you that, you know, one of the things we really recommend is a third-party password manager outside of the browser. Um, Now, the reason for that is that when you're adding an additional feature to an existing product, like password managers inside of a browser, you know, Google's trying to do their best to make sure it's secure for Chrome. Apple's trying to make sure it's secure for Safari. Microsoft's trying to make sure it's secure for Edge. But their main purpose in that is to browse the internet in a very effective way. So they're trying to make it as easy as possible. And the way those things are stored is not necessarily as good as a dedicated uh, one individual password manager. Right. Um, I learned, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit older, uh, Kip's older than I am, so he probably remembers, but the audience is probably young enough and they don't remember these things. But when I was younger, we used to have, you know, VCRs and the DVDs came out and we had these, you know, it used to be you had a TV and a VCR and a DVD. Then they made this combination unit that had all three. And it worked okay, but it didn't work as good. Like the DVD player worked, but it didn't work as good as a standalone DVD player. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, if I look at something like an Xbox, it is purpose built to play video games. And so it does a really good job of that. Whereas if I take that same game, I have to be very specific about the computer I buy when I'm buying a desktop that will be able to play it. If I just buy an Xbox, I know it's always going to play and it's always going to play the exact same way. And that's really the difference between using a browser-based password manager. It's an additional feature as opposed to being the core of the product that that's all this company does and they're just solely focused on security. I love that. Again, a great segue to a, a point that I want to make, uh, which is um, you you really want to focus on something that's attack resistant. And so how do you do that? Well, knowing that that this password manager is purpose-built is one way to do that, right? Because the livelihood of everybody who works at 1Password, for example, depends on them getting it right. If they don't get it right and, and everybody leaves them because they lose confidence, their company's gone. They have nothing else to fall back on. And so they have great incentive to do good engineering and to be responsive. And that's another thing that I look for. How responsive are they to reports of public vulnerabilities? I can go to the CVE databases and I can, I can type in the name of the password manager that I'm thinking about getting. And I can see records of all the publicly released uh, flaws and exploits. And I can also see, uh, you know, when were those patched? Were they even patched? Some of them aren't even patched. And they've been on record for years. If, if you see that, that's not a good sign. And you want to make sure that when something bad does happen, because, you know, LastPass is the latest in uh, a password manager that's been attacked. They're not the first. They won't be the last. But what you want to see is how responsive are they? How fast are they? I don't think LastPass has a very good record in this, right? They got hacked in August, but they didn't talk about it till November, December. That's not good, right? So, so there are ways that you can evaluate the attack resistance of a, of a piece of software. So you can do a little bit of research, go to the right places. Like, don't go to PC Magazine and get their recommendation because they're focused on usability and cost as the primary selection criteria. So you don't want to do that. Uh, avoid that. And when it comes to VPNs, by the way, most free VPNs are absolute trash when it comes to protecting your data. 
Uh, they don't protect your data hardly at all. They're badly engineered. They're selling your browsing history to other people. And the only thing most consumer VPNs are good for is evading copyright protection because I want to watch a show on Netflix that's released in the UK and not in the US. And so I'm going to spoof my, my IP address so that I can get in there. It's fine for that, but I would never use it for anything like super uh, critical uh, in terms of security. Like if I was, a, uh, if I was an organizer uh, of civil disobedience working in a repressive regime like mm -hmm. Myanmar, hell no, I wouldn't trust that thing. To <laughs> yeah, anyway. I agree with you there. Um, and, and, you know, I just want to point out, you know, this isn't a let's bash last test uh, episode. Um, as I said, Kip and I both left last half before this hack even right. happened. Um, the reason we're talking about this is it just brings up a, a good um, discussion around this idea of password managers, helping figure out what are the best password managers to choose, why you should choose them, and that kind of thing. But and there are still a lot of people that are on LastPass, right? And are we saying you should immediately get off LastPass? Well, not necessarily, right? Um, LastPass is a, is a pretty decent tool, and it's better than a browser uh, password manager. So yep. it's better than nothing, but it's not the best, right? Uh, and that's kind of our opinion on that. So let's talk about, you know, you had mentioned, you know, let's say you're working with an organization, you're consulting with them. They say, hey, we're on LastPass. We've deployed to all 5,000 of our users. You know, it'll take me a year to get them off because I got to go through training and teach them how to install it and all that kind of stuff again. It's a big deal. Now, Kip, that this hack happened, what are the things I need to do as a company to protect myself? Yeah, well, it's funny you should ask me that because guess what? That's exactly what happened to me recently is I had a good customer who came to me, said almost exactly what you said. And, uh, and he said, look, I'll, I'll pull the plug on this if you, if you think it's that bad, you know, but I, I, I hope you can figure out a way to keep us on this thing for now because I don't have it on my roadmap to get off this thing anytime soon. We've got all these other priorities. I'd really rather not do it. So what, what do you think? Well, here's what I came up with. The first thing I said was I would like you to go back and, um, and remind everybody that they need to use a strong, unique master passphrase for their LastPass account, uh, and they shouldn't reuse that master password or passphrase anywhere else. I said, that's the first thing, because we can control that. We can't control how the product is engineered. We can't control how the product is managed, but we can control that, and that's part of the shared responsibility model for cloud computing. I mean, that's just philosophically, that's just how we have to deal with all cloud-based computing. Um, and then I said, and, and specifically ask your people, Prior to August 2022, were you using a weak password as your master pass password? Uh, was it a duplicate? Of, you know, did you use it somewhere else? Did it have eight or fewer characters? If that's true, then, then I think your password vault is at risk because they've got a copy of it and they can take it offline and they can brute force it with no, uh, no MFA, right? Because MFA is not enforced at the vault level. It's enforced at the service level. So I said... Um, so you got to get a good master password. And if you think your vault is in jeopardy because you used a bad one, I need you to do what Jason just described, which is I need you to, to go through every password that you have in that vault, and I need you to change it because the copy you're using is your online copy, which is uh, still available to you, and you can change your passwords in there, and that will leave the offline version that was stolen stale and useless. So that's a way to deprecate the situation there with somebody having a copy of your vault in an offline uh, situation. So that was the first step. What do you think about that as a first step? I think those are all really good first steps. Uh, I will tell you as a, a former IT director, 
Uh, when I send out an email and say, hey, everybody go change your password, not most people will do it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Most people are they're busy, whatever it is, they're, they're just not going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, if I send that email out to a thousand people, I might get 500 that actually change it. Listen, the other 500 I got chased out. Um, I know when we were using LastPass on the organizational level, if you are doing it as an individual, this, this doesn't apply. Everything you said is perfect. But if you're doing this as a company level, like, like your client, you can go into your organizational vault as the director of your organization and tell everybody the next time they use LastPass, their password has to be changed. Just like when you do with Windows, like if you get hacked on Windows, you yep. say, yeah, everybody, the next time you log in, your password's no longer valid, reset your password, you can not get yep. in. But that will force everybody to create a new long, strong password. That's right. It won't necessarily make them do, well, actually you can't because in, in LastPass, you can set how long the password needs to be and how complicated it needs to be. So I, as an organizational leader, can say, everyone needs to change their password in the next login. The password now needs to be 20 characters long, uppercase, lowercase, special characters, et cetera. Um, and in some password managers, I don't remember if LastPass has this, um, but some do allow you to have a master password with MFA as well, which if you can do that, I definitely would recommend that too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. The The idea that you can force the password reset and that you can keep them from choosing weak passwords in the future by setting the password requirements. Um, that's fantastic. We, uh, we, and, then, and then we absolutely said as a second step, hey, you need to turn on MFA. You need to require that for everybody. If you haven't already, get that multi-factor authentication going. Um, and then uh, the other thing that, that, that we said was make sure that you're regularly checking for updates, you know, because we're using browser plugins, you know, we're using a mobile app, right? Which is what's one of the things that made LastPass really great. It's cross-platform. It's, it works on mobile. It works on desktop, tablets. It works in any web browser. So you can take your password vault anywhere you want to go. That's one, of the, that's one of the issues I had with using Apple's password manager, which I actually think is pretty good from an engineering and attack-resistant pass, uh, uh, point of view. But it's not cross-platform. So if I want to be off of an iOS or a macOS device, I, 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 I'm stuck, right? And that was not good for me because I'm on multiple platforms. Um, so that was a unique requirement that I had. Most people seem to have that, uh, that issue. So, uh, but if you can just stay on iOS and macOS, then the built-in uh, password manager is probably fine. Um, okay, so well, the, the one thing I will say on that is that uh, LastPass is not the only one that is cross-platform. I think what password you're, or what password that you're using now? What password is? Yep. Um, I know a bit more than is because I people have Android, Windows, Linux, everything. Like I'm, I'm a Mac guy. All my stuff is Mac, iPads, iPhone. Um, a lot of people on my team are Windows because they, they prefer that, or Android or Linux, and it works with all of them with Bitboard. So again, it's one of those things that there's a Chrome extension. So as long as you have Chrome, you can use it on any of these, and there's apps for iOS and Android as well. That's great. So um, so that's what that's what caused us to be on one password. That's what caused you to choose Bitwarden. Now let's talk about that for a second, by the way, because you chose Bitwarden, I chose one password, my team did, um, and but we both came from the same place. And I think it might be interesting to spend a moment to talk about why did we go in two completely different directions when we started at the same place? I'll go first. The, yeah. one, the reason why we chose one password is because um, not only is it att- attack resistant, but we we liked that it was in the cloud. We read the white paper about how they uh, secured, you know, like kind of how they built it. They they used open design principles, and so they revealed how they actually designed the security. And and we liked that. We liked that they did open design. And by the way, open design is when you can publish how you built something, and that does not weaken the security of the thing. So public key encryption algorithms like AES. 
um, is a great example of something where everybody knows how AES works, but that doesn't mean that it's weak because you know how it works. And so, uh, so we liked 1Password because it was cross-platform. They used open design principles. And quite frankly, it, it looks good. I mean, it's well, the user interface is well-designed. Um, and uh, anyway, there's lots of other reasons, but that's why we went there. Why did you guys go to Bitwarden? So all the exact same reasons you just mentioned apply as well to Bitwarden. The big difference is where they host the data. So mm -hmm. in Bitwarden, they have, if you're using their cloud-based version, they have servers in the US, they have servers in Europe. So if you have European people, that, that's good for them because of you know, GDPR requirements as well. And then what really sold us on that was the ability that if we want to, we can host it ourselves using the Bitwarden Enterprise. So we can mm. put up our own server, we control the data, it's no longer in the cloud, it's on our own private servers uh, in the cloud, right? Using using a private cloud infrastructure that gives us additional security. Uh, yeah. I would tell you that, you know, honestly, right now, we're still using the software as a service version. We played with the, the enterprise version. We decided that there wasn't enough security benefit at this stage in the game for our company to move to that because then we have to maintain the server and do all the patching and all, right. the, all that stuff. So we really like the fact we have the option of doing that, but we're not doing it yet. Um, and so really, they're fairly equivalent. If you look at 1Password and Bitwarden, you're going to find the features are pretty much the same. If you look at all three of these, LastPass, 1Password, uh, and, and Bitwarden, all three of these have very similar feature sets and very similar user interfaces, um, very similar price points. Uh, most of them are going to be somewhere between 3 and $6 per month per user. Uh, if you go to an enterprise license, you can usually get it down a little bit more, somewhere like 3 to $4 per user. Um, some of them have family plans. So if you're doing this for your house, uh, for instance, when I was on LastPass, I had a family plan and it gave you access. It gave you six accounts for $48 a year, I think it was. So it was like four bucks a month. And I got, you know, me, I had one, my wife had one, and my two kids had one. And we were all on the same plan, right? Um, yeah. We got past six. Then we had to, you know, start because I was actually using that for my company at first. Mm -hmm. And after we got more than six employees, I had to upgrade to the, the larger version. Um, but yeah. as far as cloth, I mean, these are, these are relatively low cost tools. What we're talking, you know, um, you know, maybe, 12, 15 bucks a year per, per user generally. I, I think that's reasonable. I know some people can't even afford that, but they still want the protection of a password manager. And, uh, and so uh, I, as long as you're paying attention to uh, its attack resistance and you want to use a free uh, password manager, I think that's okay. But I think once you get to a point where you can't afford to pay for something, I think you should, that you're going to get better protection depending on what you choose. Um, another thing I want to say about password managers. And I love that you brought up this uh, feature, right, of, of being able to uh, have a personal vault uh, along with your work vault. <clears throat> this is really important for estate planning. And what I mean by that is these days, right, passwords, we have passwords for everything, bank accounts, retirement accounts, um, <clears throat> all kinds of stuff. And if I die on the way home uh, tonight, then how's my spouse going to get into all these accounts, right? Uh, how do I make it easy for her? And the easiest way I can think of is just put everything in a vault, uh, make sure she has access to it. And then that way, if anything happens to me, either permanently or temporarily, I'm, maybe I'm in a coma, maybe I'm not dead, but I still can't do anything, right? So uh, so think about your estate planning, think about your emergency uh, action plan. And I like 1Password because they actually will uh, let you print something out, a piece of paper with a uh, like a get out of jail free code, right? That she can that she can type in and get in to get all those passwords. There's different ways you can do it, um, but uh, but I put that in our little firebox along with our other important papers like birth certificates and whatnot, and uh, and that gives me huge peace of mind. I don't know. Uh, sounds like you're you're focused on that too, right? 
Yeah, most definitely. I've been doing that for years. Um, before password managers were a thing, uh, once a year I would go in and I had a piece of paper that literally I used a, you know, handwritten piece of paper and wrote down all my accounts, you know, my bank, my username, my password, my bank, my username, my password for all my stuff that was important. And we kept a copy of it with our will and my power of attorney that if I was in a coma, my wife could take over. Um, the one caveat I would say is if you're going through marriage troubles, uh, or you don't necessarily trust your spouse or yeah. you don't have a spouse and you're like a single person and you know, your brother or sister or friend going to be the executor of your estate. Um, you still want to have this information, but you may not want to give it to them until you pass. And what I mean by that is you could put it with your will and that can be in your firebox. It can be in a safety deposit box. It can be at your lawyer's office, whatever it is. And once a year, just update your password every six months or you're updating it. Um, and, and then you can basically say, okay, upon my death, give this to my executor. And now they have access to all your, your accounts to be able to take care of that. Um, the other thing you can do is you can basically create a, you know, thing like one password or whatever, put all your passwords in there, write down the master password. And now you only have one that you have to do. Um, and, and we actually, this is kind of what we did in the military when we were locking up our, our safes for secret, top secret information. Um, we would know what the code is, but then we had a safe with all the cards with the passwords or the codes written down in a different safe. So if somebody forgot the combination to a safe, we wouldn't have to drill the lock. We would go over to the other one. It was a, a two-factor lock. So we had like Kim and Jason had to open this. And then we would get out the thing, vote with the card, and go, okay, here's the password. Now we can reset the lock and start over. Great. Uh, so there's a lot of master backup. And we used to yes. this. That we're doing in the, in the cyber world too. Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, I, I've covered everything I wanted to cover uh, about password managers. I appreciate the opportunity to get up on my soapbox. And, uh, you know, talk about how important attack resistance is when you choose one. I appreciate yeah. it. Any final words, Jason? Yeah, I, I just have two quick ones. Uh, one, we talked about cost and you had mentioned free. Uh, there are a lot of these password managers that do have them free, including, you know, real password managers that have paid plans and free plans. Generally, the difference is if you're on a paid plan, uh, you get team access and you can share it across family members and stuff like that. Whereas if you do a free plan, you just get a vault for you, which is fine, but it is a little bit more feature limited. It's not any less secure, but it does have less features. So you can always try this out with the free plan. And the reason they give you a free plan is you could try it and go, you know what? I like this. Let me pay for the, the version that's two bucks a month because I think it's worth it, right? Right. So that's just an upsell opportunity for them. But again, even the basic version is really good. As opposed to when we talk about VPNs, never use a free VPN because really you're the fraud at that point. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and the, the second thing I wanted to mention is Hopefully in the next 24 months or so, we're no longer going to need passwords at all. Uh, there's a, there's a big trend coming down the road with passwordless authentication. Um, a lot of it is being done right now using things like magic links. So when you go to a website and you try to log in, it will shoot you a one-time link to your email uh, or your text message. You click on that and that logs you in, but it's only good for, you know, two minutes once you ask for it or something like that. Um, what's right now is being worked on by Google and Apple together in actually teaming up on this is a form of passwordless authentication with our smartphone that would basically act as a, a login device for us across all of our platforms that would no longer require any passwords. And it's much more secure and much more convenient. And so once we get out of this password thing, um, I, I, I'm very curious to see what 1Password and Bitwarden and LastPass does as we move into this passwordless authentication world, because that's going to just basically decimate their business model. There's our whole business model based on passwords. So yeah, just to yeah. see how this changes over the next 24 months or so. So yeah, this is something I want to point out. And we'll probably talk more about passwordless authentication in a future show. Because um, that's a new concept I think people need to be aware yeah. of. Yeah, but, um, but pl please moderate your expectations on passwordless. It's going to take a while for everybody to get on board that train. Like I remember when multi-factor authentication for websites first ro rolled out, 
it took three or four years before yeah. you know you could get MFA everywhere you wanted it, and so people have to opt in. So uh, so it's going to take a while, but I I think it could be uh, really good. But I'll 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 say this: it's going to make you controlling your smartphone and your email account ever even more important than ever before, because if somebody steals it, you're in trouble because your whole identity is tied to that stuff. It kind of is already, but it's just going to get more intense. Well, it's just okay, like Jason, okay. there's so many websites that let you SSL in with your uh, your Google account or your Facebook account. And, you know, if somebody gets my Google account, they can get to 90% of my websites because all of them allow you to sign in with Google, right? That's right. Uh, that's a half for list type authentication because once you log in, once you're now single signing across everywhere else. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so that being said, I want to thank everybody for joining us again for another episode of Your Cyber Path. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something and we hope we got you something you can put into use today in your own world uh, to be able to secure your own self and your company. Um, you know, if you want to keep yourself up to date with all things cyber, I know when this last pass attack came out six months ago, uh, Kip actually wrote about it in his mentor notes. Uh, I recommend you sign up for his mentor notes. They come out once every other week, just like the podcast. And when they come out, it's usually about 500 to a thousand words. It's fairly short, easily digestible. Uh, it's directly from Kip to you. Uh, with all the information that he's putting out that week. And usually uh, it does not relate to the episode that we're talking about. So for instance, this week, you're not going to get a mentor note on password managers because we're mm -hmm. talking about the podcast. He's going to talk about something else. So it's it's additional content for you that is free uh, for you to get. Um, you can sign up at yourthyropath.com right on the front page. Just type in your email address. Uh, you'll get an email. Click on the link in there to verify that that is your email. So we make sure we're sending it to you because you requested it. And then from then on, you'll be getting those uh, emails uh, once every two weeks. So that's all I got. Uh, thanks. And we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyber Path. Don't miss an episode. Press the subscribe button now. If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com, where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks, and discover some fantastic bonus content. <laughs>